Reality, the podcast. pod tribe you're listening to refined reality the podcast i'm your host bobby joe shining a light on other realities with my friend and co-host tracy decane aka miss money queen hey bobby joe hey everyone how's your week going on so far i know mine's been hectic to say the least i'm in the process right now of buying and selling my home and looking at buying another home and it's been stressful I've heard on the radio that moving is one of the most stressful things that you can go through as a couple. So on today's episode, we're going to be touching on how the markets have been playing during the pandemic. So meaning, what has it done as far as buying homes, selling homes, and even touch on people buying toys like four-wheelers, snowmobiles. Basically, we want to just touch on how it's affected us here in Northern Ontario and in Southern Ontario from what we've seen. And it's just really kind of strange. You would think that living in a pandemic that we everyone would want to be saving and not spending, but I've seen it. Right? It's crazy. Like even just seeing it as far as where I work, I see like I register a lot of vehicles and off-roads and snow machines and it's crazy. The amount of we're getting three neighbors building their home from the ground up this that, year. The cost of lumber right now, where I am, even like living in a lumber town, it's crazy. It's it's costing them an extra fifty to a hundred thousand dollars on their bills. I was talking uh, about that actually with my coworker. Just the lumber price alone, like you're saying, Bobby Joe, is is doubled, not if not tripled. Um, because of the pandemic. I mean, honestly, don't know where people are getting their money to do this. Some might think, well, Tracy, why are you looking at selling and buying another place? Well, we're actually looking to do this to get ourselves in a better situation. And also because we've outlived where we are and we want something a little bit bigger and to accommodate my parents uh, because they're not getting any younger and I'm looking at how I'm going to take care of them. And it's just not feasible where I'm currently living. So this new opportunity um, would make that best for everyone and me being alone here up north with my parents they're the only ones that can rely on Um, my brother lives in southern Ontario so he doesn't have the capabilities to to host them so that they can live with him so trying to figure that out for the long term and how that's going to work it's tricky like we're first-time homeowners and we tried really hard to I guess find the perfect place even though it doesn't really exist but for our needs at the time and like our future needs and even though there's so many things we didn't take into account we got lucky because we bought it when there was still that first time homeowner thing Mm -hmm. before they took that away we we'd bought the house in september we're moving in october and i believe they took that out at the end of october beginning of november and you know like a lot of our friends there's they're on their second homes and whatnot how there's so much to take into account, you know, like wear and tear and whatnot, unforeseen expenses, and then toys and, and storage and bylaws. And yeah, it, it can be overwhelming. Yeah, even just like financial red tape, like as far as applying. I mean, I've been out of the financial industry game uh, for about three years now. And just in that short amount of time, there's been so many changes. Like when I was speaking with my a mortgage specialist at the time rental income you can use 
and it was at a certain percentage. It was only about 50% of the income because you have to take into account any expenses. So now when I applied for the new mortgage for the house I'm looking to uh, purchase, the rental income of my other properties, he said he'd have to send in an exception for them to take that into account as income. And then I wondered, like I asked him, I said, well, why is that? Because I know like I have a bit of background, obviously working in the industry. So I can ask those kind of questions. I asked him, you know what my GDS and TDS, and I'll get into that, what that means uh, in a little bit, but more or less is because of COVID and how Doug Ford has mentioned that renters are not obliged to pay rent, you know, during the whole pandemic. And even now people are having a hard time paying. And he was telling landlords not to default the renters and kick them out and, and all of that and extend it and apply for subsidies and things like that. But the thing is, is that those subsidies don't necessarily apply for everyone. Like a typical landlord like me, I wouldn't be able to qualify. It's only the big time landlords that would be able to, you know, apply for those subsidies. Secondly, with COVID, now the financial institutions are a little bit more leery on using that income because it's not guaranteed, especially given the circumstances of the pandemic, because more than ever, people are losing their jobs, not able to pay their bills, and they're forced to face the hard facts. Some might not even be able to pay their hydro bill or even put food on the table. So it's a really, really strange world we're living in right now. And to think that it's huge with the amount of people buying things and spending money. And it's kind of scary because what is the economy going to look like in a year, two years, you know, three years down the road after every, like the dust has settled and what are we going to be faced with? I'd be scared to, to be looking to buy right now. The competition is pretty tough and I, I have no idea. Like you were saying earlier, the money is coming from, and even then like you've owned multiple properties, right? Like I remember you mentioning that you bought your first home at the age of 19. Mm-hmm. And that was even different back then. I mean, back then, I remember when I first bought my house, there was no minimum down payment. You can go 0%. Now there's different criterias. And now like you were saying wow. like, yeah, you were saying competition is fierce. Just to give you an example, I was talking to one of my friends actually that's in the process of buying himself as well. And he's looking around the Sudbury area and the, the market right there is ridiculous right now. And they had put in an offer, you know, Forty to fifty thousand dollars over asking, and was outbid multiple times by like seventy grand on on a house. So you're seeing properties in that area selling well over a hundred thousand dollars the valuation of the property, right? So I'm kind of questioning like how are these people even being able to be qualified for these mortgages? Not only because of affordability, but because of appraisal value in itself. I mean. When you go and look at getting a mortgage and you don't have that 20% down, you need to get approved by CMHC or Genworth. And those are um, default insurance companies that insure the banks. So if you were to default, they'd pay out the banks, right? So first you have to get approval from the bank. So the bank says, okay, I pre-approve you. Let's just say, for example, for 300000 Okay, you got your pre-approval in hand. When you go and make that offer, you always, like if you don't have a 20% down, you don't have a for sure knowledge that you're approved, don't remove that condition upon finance, right? Because once you make your offer, they accept it. And if you don't have that condition, you're legally obliged to buy that property. So meaning that, let's just say you didn't put that condition in, okay? And you said you got pre-approved, but you're only putting 10% down. When you go back to the bank and say, look, I'm, buy I'm looking to buy 
this property for 300 grand. Okay, the bank looks at it, the appraisal doesn't check out, it's only worth 250. Well, they're only gonna fund 250 of that property and where are you gonna find the other 50? Now you're, you're in a hard place because you're legally obliged to buy that property because you didn't put that condition in there. And that you're seeing that a lot right now with the markets and how a lot of people from Southern Ontario are coming up to Northern Ontario. And that's another thing in itself is because pandemic, pre-pandemic, everyone wanted to live in the bigger cities, make the bigger money, um, live that lifestyle. But now you can work from home from anywhere. And now the government just announced this week that they're looking at increasing internet services in, in more rural areas and everyone in Ontario should have access to that because we're looking at eventually putting like ID, like driver's license, health cards, all digital format, right? But in order to get like a format, like a digital wallet, you need to have access to, to adequate internet service. So you're seeing a whole slew of people coming from Southern Ontario moving up here and there's huge bidding wars happening. Oh, yeah. And even like people who, you know, they immigrate or they still have wealthy families from different countries that come and own businesses and they buy property here and they don't even really live in it. Mm-hmm. Like I remember my mom, she had a friend, they, there was like a family, they were going down uh, the street, like her house isn't even for sale and they're offering like 250000 above whatever their home was valued if they would consider moving and selling. And it's like, wow, <laughs> it's hard because those empty buildings kind of just sit there or, you know, the, the people will, like some people will get into buying multiple properties, flipping it, and it makes it hard to, to even live there. And, and people are stuck at moving in the outskirts. So it's sort of like everyone just gets pushed up north from me even moving here, how crazy the prices had gone up. It's unreal. Like I, we first moved here, Five years ago, a three-bedroom apartment was like five hundred and twenty-five dollars a month. That's cheap. Yeah, that is cheap because that's not even. And that now price the homes here. are like two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it's like wow. Yeah, I was reading an article about how, you know, the housing market like grew like even just in Northern Ontario. They're saying like home sales in August were up thirty-three percent compared to the same period last year. Like, how is that during a pandemic? no less. I don't even know how some people have can even afford to live in like personally, I feel like I could barely afford to live in this country. <laughs> Being born here, it's like what the hell. I mean, it, another thing too, it's all about perception, right? I mean, what we what we seem to see may not necessarily reflect what in actuality it is. So, in all in all things considered, living in on northern Ontario is quite cheaper than down south we're getting to the point where we're starting it's beneficial for people who own properties who own something in northern ontario because we're going to just keep seeing mass floods of people moving up north right because covid's changed the game completely you don't need to be living downtown toronto to be making that hundred thousand or more k year income you can live in in the sticks like in the bush and be making that income so how is that preventing people from coming up here? If they're going to live a better lifestyle, have more space, being able to do outdoor activities, why not? Why not do that? Like you, you even see like in the Muskokas, that's that's a huge place for booming for 
for real estate game right now and people are buying like they there's not enough supply for the demand that's coming it's just depressing like i I get it you should be able to live a good life wherever you want but for example like even just hunting up here it's all people from toronto so and for those who don't know like it's about a 15 hour drive Mm -hmm. up north yes from where i am in toronto and they get our tickets and they get to enjoy all the hunting meanwhile people who live here like myself for years we can't get anything we can't afford to to get the nice cottages and the nice stuff you're living remotely or you know you're living up north and then like everyone from down south is buying it because they have to get out and then someone else is buying it and then people there's a big shift from the middle class yeah you're right there is lifestyle like it's not enough no and what is that going to mean in the future i don't know all I know is that just the amount of money that's been spent on COVID alone is kind of depressing to think about how long it's going to take for us to even get out of deficit at this point. <gasps> right. But I, I wonder how long. There's going to be a recession. There has to be. Oh, definitely. But the thing is, is I had, you know, a client mention they're just dishing out a bunch of cash and just doing this and doing that. And I just looked at him and I said, well, to be honest, I said, a lot of people who are receiving that money, if they weren't receiving that money from the COVID, they'd be living out in the streets. So, you know, as depressing as it may seem that the amount of money that's been flooding out, it's been needed, right? You know, my personal opinions, that's my personal opinions. I won't really go into that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say no to people who don't have a job and who can't support, like they need that money. I don't want to see anyone suffer or anyone not have the money they need to pay their bills and I, I just not like mm-hmm. that. I feel like after um, COVID, though, it's really going to spur conversation towards being able to live within your own means. Yes. Because ironically enough, I grew up poor as fuck. <laughs> Three people living off of like $17,000 Canadian a year. Poor as fuck. Yeah. My parents, so I could do my homework, would give the na- they would plant a garden and give the neighbors fruits and veggies so I could uh, use their internet to do my homework because we couldn't afford it because it wasn't deemed a necessity, but I had to have it for school, right? In high school, like there was no option. And um, (laughs) they're in this pandemic, they're doing better than usual. And like me and my husband, like people would be like, why don't you get this new stuff? Why don't you get that? Because like, we don't really keep up with the Jones and the Smiths, if you will. Like we're just, you know, me and my husband were like, how do people have all these nice toys? All that, all those toys, Bob Joe, are all, yeah. all on credit because you could finance anything nowadays from toys like to ten to fifteen years, right? So if you want that, oh, new yeah, machine, wow. yeah, if you, if you want that new machine, you can get it. It's just you're going to pay that machine three, four times by the time you're done. So it comes down to what do you want and what do yeah, you? Yeah, I guess sacrifice? that makes sense. What are you going to sacrifice? Because you're going to sacrifice tens and thousands of dollars of interest to get that. And some people might say, like, who fucking cares? They're just going to have fun and live their life and not really think about tomorrow. And it's a double-edged sword, right? You don't want to be so, you don't want to be such a penny pincher that you're not enjoying your life. But you don't want to be, you don't give a fuck either. You have to find a really like right in the middle of how can you maneuver, right? I mean, for us, like the reason why we're doing this is to get in a better financial situation, pay down debt, do all of those things so that Joey can retire at 55 and not have to work till he's 75. And the reason being is where he works, he works in Nunavut and he works with a lot of guys that are in their 65, 70 range. And retirement's not really in their sights because 
they haven't really planned their life, that uh, you didn't have any retirements or whatever reason it is. And he just doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be working until that age. It's not something that he desires. I mean, there's some people that would love to work until 90 and they enjoy it. That's great for them, but that's not what he wants. And that's not what I want either. I don't want to be working until I'm... Honestly, forced retirement should be a thing. My husband, on the railway, there's guys that they've got great runs. There's a 25-year gap in the seniority board. And people who just won't retire, and they're in their 70s. And it's like, there are young guys who are being laid off for like four or five years. Go fucking live what's left of your life at that point. I get it. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's finding that happy medium... We would have been totally fine during COVID, but again, it's like you said, like we didn't really live because we tried to like pay everything off. We're like zero debt people. I'm not like got to hide my shit under my mattress in a jar kind of purse. People would be like, oh, you got a new car or you got a new stove. You were telling me about and I show them and they're like, well, a 2010 is not new. And I'm like, it's new to me, technicality, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to focus on what you want and what you're, you know, willing to to compromise on. And not every person is going to want the same things. And that goes for markets and investments and savings plans and where you're going to live, why you're going to move, all those kind of things. There's so many factors when it comes into play. But I think it's it's really taking the time to sit down and figure out what, what you want. And once you figure out what exactly you want, then you could formulate a plan. I think for us, a long time, we were kind of not sure what we wanted, but now we have a clear sight of what we want and what we need to do to get there. If you could uh, go back in time and, and change one thing about buying a house and all that, or like have one tidbit of knowledge, what would that be? Oh, dear God. I probably wouldn't have bought the first house I bought, to be quite honest. Um, I think it was a rush-made decision, and I was young. We were young, and we were kind of pushed into a situation where I felt like we didn't have any other choice to find a place because where we were living, we had to move out, and they were selling. And instead of really looking at my options and not feeling the anxiety of it all and just sitting down and, you know, thinking clearly, I may have made a better choice and waited a bit and maybe got a better place. But it built character. I mean, it, it put me, you know, it put us through the ropes. We knew what we knew, you know, we learned everything from scratch at that age. And it built character. And I think that it really matured us in a lot of ways, um, doing that so young, because to think back, and to even just think about my kids doing this at that age is like, it blows my mind, because it's like, how did I manage to do this to even because my my past is very similar to yours like my parents my dad was on ODSP making fucking less than 20 grand a year or whatever and we had nothing when I'm talking about nothing I left high school with fuck all in my pockets and it was up to me to figure out where I was going to live where I was going to go where I was going to work and it just kind of really still surprises me to this day that I actually was able to figure it all out on my own you were definitely more resourceful i know than i was because we're like even though we're not that different in age you know it still sadly didn't get that much better like the whole growing up on o odsp thing and like i don't know like i wish in high school it would prepare kids you know better to to meet the the real world and stuff and it's like like okay it was easy for my friends who were from money there was no different but just 
even realizing my friends, like, from middle class, the difficulties they had with rent and stuff, it's like, how? How the hell can you go at 18 if you live remotely, like in my case, and I had to help out my mom, like, I wasn't able, there's no jobs, because how was I supposed to drive an hour to the nearest store, like, that's the closest place I could have worked, you know, how do you get a car, how do you get insurance, how do you get all that without getting a job, and then you got to get an education, and then you got to get experience, and then you got to get it down for a house, like, and dang, then- like, you know, even, and that's the thing too, like, you know, I talked to some of my friends, it's like, they're nurses, it's a four-year degree, by the time, like, your kids are grown up, it's going to be a master's degree. You know, we talk about living remotely and not having access to jobs um, because of distance or where we're living. But you think about the people who live in like big cities like Toronto, where the market like Toronto is one of the the cities that it's ridiculous. You cannot buy a home in downtown Toronto to save your life on your own. There's no way. So a lot of a lot of those those kids, they're they're living at home far later in their life, you know, up until they're 30 sometimes. Because they just simply can't afford to even rent on their own. They need roommates because affordability is crazy down there. So you, you look at each side of the, of the picture. Everyone kind of has the same issues, the same problems. Different situations, yes. But they all face issues of, of affordability, of figuring all that out. But it still stems to figure out a plan, right? What kind of obstacles do you need to overcome and how can you overcome them? And I think the biggest thing to, to come back to your question is what would I change is to really sit down and think and not let your emotions get the best of you because emotions are probably your worst nightmare when it comes to trying to figure out your finances because we're so money is emotional. We make every decision of our finances based on our emotions. And sometimes it's not always the best thing. Sometimes yes, but most times no, because emotions like you, for example, you have someone that's a shopaholic, they're impulsive. Well, impulsive shoppers, it's not because they just magically woke up and became an impulsive shopper. It's from emotion, right? That that was something that they're trying to deal with. And instead of dealing with that emotion, they're covering it up by spending money. So I find from the people that I've helped, from the people that I've spoken to, in different scenarios that I've, that I've been through, a lot of people use their emotions when it comes to financial decisions. So had I taken that time when I was younger to kind of just say, okay, we're going to be out of a place to live in not very long. My parents didn't have a place either. If I actually sat down, wrote out a plan and figured it out, maybe I would have made a better decision. Maybe not, but we... Uh, I'm a very resilient person and I kind of could figure things out and I managed and we overcome, we overcame a lot of obstacles because when I did buy that house, it was a small house. Like it was a one and a half story house, two bedrooms. I lived with my parents for a year with my son. So we were five people in a 1200 square foot house with one bathroom. So those are the kind of sacrifices that we did to save up for a down to buy second house. Something I'd want to do again not in a small house like that, even though I'm considering now buying a house to have a place for my parents to stay, but it's a far bigger house. And it's because my, my, my parents' health are not there, right? So I want to be able to help them out. So it depends on your situation, right? Formulating a plan, best thing you could do for yourself and really honing on your emotions and trying to control that and not letting them overcome 
your decisions. And that brings a really important aspect that I want to bring forth with that. What if you were to get hurt or injured and you have all this debt, how are you going to manage to pay that if you can't, let's just say, keep the same job at the same pay because you physically can't or for medical reasons. And and those are conversations I often had with people that I worked with uh, when I was in the um, financial financial industry, meaning that a lot of people racked up a lot of debt. And when I seen that and I looked at them and we offered like disability insurance, life insurance on debt. I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, that's just a money racket. You know, that's money grab. They're just looking to take money. At first, I kind of looked at it like that until I went through like experiences myself with that. And they're there to help you. Like those, if you're going to get into that amount of debt, you want to make sure that you insure yourself so that if something were to happen, God forbid, you can manage to still keep the shirt on your back. So whether you take um, an insurance that the financial institution is offering you or you take out your own disability insurance policy or life insurance policy, it's something that you really need to take time to consider and and you know know your options because so many times I've seen people where either they get hurt at work or they lose a spouse or and they're just faced with this debt that won't go away, right? So very, very, very important to make sure that that is insured, whether you do it at, like I said, the institution or, or you go and get it externally, maybe at a cheaper rate, because a lot of people's jobs that have benefits, for example, only cover about 60 to 65% of your pay if you were to get injured, right? If you go on long-term disability, you're not going to be paid your 100% income. So how are you going to subsidize that with the amount of debt, right? Because most people who get into mortgages, loans, uh, debt, they're, they're, lending to, they're lending that money based on the total income you're receiving. So if your total debt ratio, like your TDS is over out of whack where you cannot even pay for food, then what do you do? Like seriously, and that's where a lot of people get super stressed and let their anxiety, oh, yeah. you know, take in, in, in into play. And you see situations that can be something that you can resolve, and they just take it over the, the hill. And it, unfortunately, sometimes it ends really bad. But I have nothing. Like I personally, I have no insurances. I don't know if it's smart or not, but I know like my bank's always trying to offer me shit, and I'm just like, okay, maybe if I have children. But right now I'm unattached. I got my funeral pot. I got enough to cremate me. I try to own like no one will inherit my debt. Yeah. But then and, like everything else just like gives me anxiety. Like I'm like, oh my God, what if I have kids? Like, you know, stuff like that. Like, oh. But think about it, Bobby Joe. Like if you were to take out an insurance policy, like at your age with your health, it would be peanuts that you'd be paying. And you, you, See, I still, they were still going to charge me like 20 something a month. And I was like, no, you know, because then if I just save that and put that away myself. Yeah, but 20 bucks a month, Bobby Joe. Think about it. Oh, but it, it's also just like having commitment. Like I have financial commitment issues, Tracy. <laughs> I can't have like more than one payment at a time. Like it's so freaking bad. Like, oh, I just took out my pennies out of my mattress. Okay. Like, <laughs> You know what I'm hearing from this? I'm not hearing the money issues that you have. I'm hearing a lot of the anxiety and emotion that you're attaching to this, right? So take that emotion, anxiety out of the equation and think about it. If you, I know you're saying you're unattached, you don't have that, but you do have a, you know, you do have a, 
a spouse that you're living with and God forbid something were to happen and you had an, a policy, then that would help quite a bit for, for him. I See, mean, he has it for me. Yeah. See, he has it for me that if like he dies, I'm not homeless. Yeah. But it's like, I'm not working. I'm a free spirit. I do, you know, babysitting and, and bartering and, and I, I operate on a hippy dippy willy nilly system. Okay. I'll, let me, and, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. Let me ask you this. Say you die, okay? Say that you don't have an mm-hmm. insurance policy. Say that your spouse is heartbroken and doesn't work for the next six months to a year and can't afford to pay his debt. If you had that life insurance policy in place that he had that as a cushion to use during his grieving time, because I've seen it firsthand, um, someone that went through something similar like that, that alleviates that stress that he may go through because, you know, from losing you. And I know you're, you're thinking right now, well, oh, you're free spirit and you don't have any kids or you're not, you don't have anyone that relies on you, but just putting that in into perspective, right? I don't know if it, if it changes anything, but just logically See, I, about to it. me, it's the red tape. Right, like the whole if you commit suicide, yeah, if you die of like a pre existing condition, then no, you know, having to like fight for the money and not getting a payout. And it's like you said, like you're a vulnerable position. Bull is don't go for insurance companies that are going to be the cheapest necessarily because they may not offer what you're looking for. Go for the service that you're going to receive. And I've always reiterated to people I know, clients that I've dealt with or helped, um, is to make sure that you. You get the right fit of who is going to help you because the service, you can get the service anywhere. It's, um, is it going to be easy mm-hmm. to do the claim at the end of the day and get the payout and get the amount that you deserve and you need, right? Maybe a broker would be a good idea. I don't know if they, because mm-hmm. I know I only do it when I, I travel. I always get a broker to give me the health insurance. This is way, way cheaper Yeah, based dealing. on my needs. Like I, I, I like that. Like This is what I want. If I die, this is paid off or whatever, you know, but just to have like, oh, yeah, um, I have this bank that if I get cancer of my ovary, whatever, I go to there and then this bank, it's a different, different thing. And then, then I got to pay my car insurance and I got to pay this. And then it's like, you got to remember all that. And then if you lose your job, you still got to pay all your insurances. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to find a broker that works with you. And another thing too, insurance and everything has kind of changed as well with COVID because a lot of places now you can't even put your foot in the door. I mean, most insurance companies nowadays, they all work from home. So just to even get a hold of someone uh, is like a week wait period. I mean, even with the company I'm dealing with and they're pretty good as far as customer service goes, but they're still lagging a bit, but they're, they're swamped. I mean, they're overwhelmed and it still comes to the fact that people are just buying, 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 and they need insurance and they need advice and and it's just a really trying time because a lot of people are going through rough patches. I, I'm like, at this point in my life, I'm so like, you need money to do this. You need this to do this. And you need that to do that. And if you want to get a quad or, you know, like I live somewhere with the nicest trails for snowmobiling. Like we get Americans up here. Like it's, it's crazy. The tourism, like people from all, all different provinces, whatever. And we can't even enjoy it. And I see people in my age and I'm like, how do they have all these stuff? And I guess it's like you said, financing to the tits. Yeah. You know? And sometimes me and my husband are like, damn, we wish we could be like financially irresponsible. And sometimes I'm like, I wish I could just buy a little plot of land, you know, maybe in a different province, go maybe up North, you know, like where your husband works in Nunavut, where there's nothing, 
put a tiny ass house there and live off a rabbit. Like, right. <laughs> oh, my husband would be laughing so much at you right now. <laughs> but like, it'd be so nice. I would never have to shave my legs either. Like, you oh, think dear. how much money you'd save for warmth, <laughs> Tracy? For warmth. Yeah, I gotta go visit Bob and Joe. Holy, what happened to you? <laughs> yeah, for warmth, that's for sure. Oh, it's kind of crazy though. It's it, it just like everything. It, it's just everything's so intertwined. You really don't realize how the world is connected and how everyone's interconnected until you kind of go through like a mass pandemic like this. And it's just to think that so many people are going through the exact same thing you're going through. And I think it's kind of comforting funny in a way. Ironic. Oh. See, I find it ironic instead because it's like. I, I guess maybe I always realized it. Like, to me, I was so pissed when I realized it. I remember the moment. It was, like, my summer. Well, not my summer, but, like, my fall year of grade 12. I was so butthurt. I didn't even go to my graduation. I was like, Why? fuck the world. Why? <laughs> like, Why? Because I was so – I was so – I didn't go to my grad because I'm like, fuck. Like, I'm not going to have this – like, my only option after this is crippling debt, and it doesn't feel like freedom because I'm so anal that it's, like, like people will be like, I love your new vehicle. I'll be like, it's not mine, it's a thanks. You know yeah. what I mean? Until I pay it off. And I'm like, it's mine. Like, I don't call it mine ever. And people are like, same thing. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, and then they're like, yeah, okay. But I'm like, yeah, it is pretty. Thank you. Like, now I'm trying to, like, ease up. But I guess I'm so, like, ah, I'm so cheap, too. Like, I used to be so cheap. And, like, my husband's, like, he lives a little, you know, he's, I'm just so dang cheap, Tracy, where it's, like, I think, and I, I bet you any money, okay, watch, like, 10, 15 years from now, I'm calling it right now. Yeah, let's call it. The tiny house nation, yeah, that tiny house nation, that's going to be a thing. Well, that, yeah. that is going to be the norm. I have wanted that. Okay, people are, like, you're you're insane, like, you're mentally ill, you're this and that, like, you know, rude commentary because I've wanted that since I've been like in my teens. No, but early season people are like, why? Why would you want that? Like, that's weird. Who does that? And I'm like, but that's all you need. Like, my grandparents had a small house. My parents had a small house, and it's like spending less money to stay there and being able to like put your energy on other things and stuff like that. Like, and families are smaller now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so many of my friends, they have, like, one or two children. That's it. They're done. Like, they're snippy, 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 snip after. Like, because of finance. I was actually watching... Reasons, you know? Yeah. I was actually watching a show on Netflix about um, Tiny Home Nation, Tiny Home Nation, actually. And it was about people all over the world that were going into that. And specifically, I think it was it was more in the England area. But these these individuals that couldn't necessarily afford like a regular standard house, let's just say, because in England, the, the marketplace is ridiculous, kind of like Toronto. And you see that a little bit in Toronto where people are building smaller homes, but it, there are a lot of homes where it's like mobility too. So the first episode I watched, it was uh, a young woman that had about $20,000 and she bought herself like a, a tugboat, like a big boat. Well, not a big, big boat, but the ones that they have on the river and that you can coast on the river and, and you pay like, a, I guess, like a docking fee or like a, I don't remember exactly what the fee was called, but um, 
she bought the boat outright and then she for about 15,000 and then she had about 5,000 left to renovate it and it had about like maybe I would say 600 square feet of living space maybe so she redesigned it herself and raised the roof at the front of the boat um, to accommodate the bedroom so it's not like a small feeling in there and it's nuts because now she has a home that she's paid outright. She has no mortgage. Um, she only has like the fees of docking and, and, and charter fees that she needs to pay. And basically is living mortgage free. And like you said, able to concentrate on other things. And if that's, again, it comes down to what are you willing to sacrifice for your happiness? See, and it's, I don't and it's think, not- I think, sorry, I just, I just want to challenge the word sacrifice. Yeah, that's what I was going to you know, say. Like, I, it's yeah. fun. <laughs> I li- I like the way you're going. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's what I was saying. Like I I wanted to correct myself because it's not sacrificing. It's achieving your happiness. It's it's achieving what you want and it's meaning like you're doing something different than someone else. It doesn't mean it's lesser or better than anyone else. It's just what you want to make yourself happy. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I feel like we have I know in Canada too, like Ontario, I was looking cuz I want my dreams a tiny house always has been trying to convince my cousin but then tr- i mean my husband but then <laughs> trying to get freaking insurance for that <laughs> you know try to get dang insurance boyfriend. For that, and then oh yeah oh god my cousin incestuous no thank you <laughs> but um <laughs> that um that was a traumatic slip of, slip in my speech but um you know trying to freaking get that insured then all these rules about oh if it's under a thousand uh, or whatever square feet it's not considered a home and this and that and it's like I look at the community rules and like with trash in your yard and all this and so many people you know get away with stupid shit and it's like I feel like if you buy your yard to an extent you know you should be able to do what you want yeah then there's like if you want to live in a tiny house it's your your lot it should be fair game and if it's if it's a house if you're providing it's a shelter then you should be able to get some insurance at an affordable thing you know, because I find it ridiculous because you're paying property tax, you're paying all that stuff anyway. And I find it absolutely ridiculous that like you'll see like these people who have like two kids and they have like a seven bedroom home. And I just find like that whole you have to have in it like in excess. It's like, do you really want to have to work that much and, and waste your precious time and energy? Because we only have so much so long. You know, we're only here for so long. Why waste that? Why why do you need that? You know, imagine if everyone had like a bigger yard and a tinier affordable house. Like, and then I'll say that. And sometimes people will be like, well, the economy. I'm like, imagine people having more to spend on toys and vehicles and, and just put into the actual economy instead of just trying to, you know what I mean? Have shelter and heat and food just the basic necessities imagine living everyone being able to live instead of exist no it'd be that's an in an ideal world and um, but again people have all their own opinions and how their own experiences and they're going to learn from it sometimes you can bring a horse to water but you can't make them drink so it's again what makes the people what makes the person happy right i mean for you your your paradise would be living in Nunavut with legs that are not shaved in a tiny house where you could have someone that wants the nine bedroom house with two people living in it. So I guess it comes down to what makes that individual or those people happy. (laughs) 
Well, I get that, but you look at it, and then I look at, okay, how much electricity does it take? How much this does it take? You know, like buildings and people, if they could do their jobs from home, then it reduces, you know, people driving to work. It reduces fuel emissions, you know, because we all have a much bigger impact on one another than we think. Yeah. And that's where I see COVID really changing the game for for a lot of people. You see a lot of people starting movements of whether it be tiny homes or um, cleaning up, uh, you know, just locally here. There's a beautiful bartering. The bartering system's coming back. Yeah, and and you have like just for example, like in our community, we have like a beautification group where it was like founded by all volunteers that go around the community and and just clean up. And they're not getting paid for this; they're just doing this to make sure that the community remains beautiful. And they want to bring tourism, you know, doing murals. And I was actually part of that, making a mural in that. Um, That's wonderful. It, it was, uh-huh. yeah, it's great. Like they, she had approached me, and I wasn't. I wasn't being paid for this, but I thought the idea was fantastic. So, and just to have like a piece that I've done stand out in my community was, was, is just like a dream. So why not? And, and you, you see those people, like you want to be around those, those community leaders that are bringing forth movements that you believe in. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of that with COVID, hopefully people becoming more, positive wanting to help each other because like you said bob joe everyone's linked interlinked whether they like it or not and making it a better living circumstances like these people who bought who they won the lottery up here they won like 60 million dollars or 65 million dollars i seen that and they bought the lots in front of me and their building and that's bringing our home value up oh yeah just 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 that fact alone right so it's like People who don't keep their yards clean and stuff, yeah, it, you're affecting other people. Mm-hmm. You know, like people who are like, mind your business. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect. If I'm, my yard is a pigsty. Like we have now the like not nicest, cheapest house on the block. Like, so we're stepping up our landscaping. We're stepping up everything because we don't want to devalue our neighbors, you know, out of respect. And like, it just goes to show something little like that the impact it has on yeah. other people and a positive one at that i mean a lot of people think that oh that's just keeping up with the Joneses. Like, you know, uh, how do you say that keeping up with the jones but it's not i mean it's like and you said smiths, it's, yeah. yeah and the smiths it's just being mindful and and respecting other people not always thinking about yourself and thinking about the betterment of the community in general or where you're living and making sure you're not littering you know you know you're not doing the shit that you wouldn't want happen in your home why would you want to do that out anywhere else so yeah a lot of yeah. people that live in excess and it shouldn't have to be a rule or a fine no and and the thing is is a lot of people who live in excess and who feel entitlement and who will you know all of those things and above some of them really just don't give a shit and do what they want and don't care at what expense and i hope that this and that pand- that's something yeah nope <laughs> sorry sorry no i just i just hope that this pandemic <laughs> brings a bit of perception for them for sure and that's the thing like it, it's in a way it's a shame that it always in my like i get the impression that it always takes a tragedy sadly sometimes it makes me think that like we as humans are really stupid because we wait until something really freaking bad happens to then like be forced to acknowledge a program uh, a problem it's sad but true you know like yeah like uh, you know, oh, that road is dangerous. It's not made right. Oh, a, a family of six died in a horrible way. Okay, let's fix the road. Well, why Why didn't you do it before? Like, that family could have still been alive. 
Yeah. I know it's you it, know, or it, someone of important position, their child dies, and then then there's a new law, and it's like, what about everyone else who you know died before? It's uh, it's a sad fact of life, and that uh, sometimes people need to smell the coffee to wake up, and it's just tragedies need to happen before anyone does anything. And I think if if we try to catch those things beforehand and be more mindful of others, then maybe it will help. But it, you know, and, and don't steps. get me wrong, like yeah, and and I mean, don't get me wrong, like my dream isn't to be in social isolation in any of it. My dream was actually <laughs> to live in a in 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 Toronto, believe it or not. Like I love being in the center of a lot of people around me. Like I'm just an extrovert. I get my energy from that. Yeah. But nowhere in this lifetime will I be able to afford to do that within reason. Um, because maybe my kids could. If I spent my whole life working my way up to middle class and then have my kids start in middle class and they're financially responsible and ambitious, then maybe they can eventually in their late adulthood you know, afford a lifestyle in a big city like that. Yeah. But there, there's no way someone like me can. There's no way. You, you know, you, you need a start. It takes, like, almost a whole freaking generation of hard work to just, like, step out of poverty. You know, it's like you look at that and it's like, oh, lower class. Sometimes it's like, oh, lower middle class. That's even a freaking life sentence to, like, what you're allowed to enjoy in life. And it's like all those rules and stuff. It's like, I hate that. You know, why, why do I have to... I get it, like, you know, don't drink and drive, don't do anything that can harm anyone else, but when it comes to stuff that it's like, don't do this, like, it, so if my house is 900 square feet, so what? Yeah. You know, and so freaking what? I'm a, I'm a little bit of a special in a way, because I think I'm a really big believer in things happening for a reason and be, people being put into situations, certain situations to learn from those experiences. And that could even go as far as people like, you know, some people you see that have no money at all. And then all of a sudden struck a luck and they get millions of dollars in their hands and, you know, different things that happen that you never think in your wildest dream that you'd be able to have that happen to you. And it's just, I think it's just like all something that we're all put into positions to learn from. So I think when you make the best of what you have and you're and and you learn how to make do and be happy and live your life and just kind of forget about all the negativity and and everything. And I know it's like oh Tracy's sounding like really hippy dippy right now, but it's true. It, it kind of I I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just I, I just got so tired of just being like, why is my life not better than what it is instead of just finally realizing that working with what I have and being happy with, with what I have and whatever happens, happens and, and just going from there. And mm-hmm. and that could go you know with finance. I mean, this whole conversation has revolved around marketplace and everything, COVID and how anxiety and stress is affecting everyone in the same way. And just kind of putting into perspective of how as a whole can we make it better. And you you see, like I said, you you start movements that bring a smile or you see a video that makes you laugh or you you spend time with friends that you haven't seen in a while. Those kind of little things are, are big things. You don't necessarily think that yeah. those little moments mean a lot, but they do. And it, it's also like I'm an only child. And I never understood like growing up, right? Because I had to really learn to share. Like sharing is caring. Yeah. You know, like 
you know, because to me it was like, what do you mean I can't do this what I want and play with this when I want and do this what I want? <laughs> you know what I mean? When you go to school and it's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, just... <laughs> and now it's ironically enough, like all my friends who had a lot of like siblings, they're the freaking stingiest fucks. And like, I love them. And I say that with love, but it's like, you know, like my husband, like he'll order me a whole different plate because he doesn't even want to want me to like taste one fry because he hates the concept of sharing. <laughs> and I'm like, why do people, you know, share the fucking wealth, share the resources. Why, why does one person have to have everything? You know, oh, the giant millions of dollar houses in Toronto and the camp in the Muskoka, then the camp up the hunt camp up here and, and all the tickets were, you know, like why, why? Like it, we, you know, we if we all share and we all do better together, then you know we do better as a as a society, yeah, as no, a I'm, culture, as an economy. You're right. You're right, Bobby Joe. And hopefully, we're I'm still alive to see some of that happening. But it's nice to see that you do. I I, I still have faith in humanity when I see things that really make me smile. And I think it's just to concentrate on those and just to bring um, emphasis on those kind of events and things that you can do for other people. Like, for example, the other day I was in the lineup at the coffee shop um, through the drive-thru and uh, I paid for the the person behind me, you know, just to boost up their day or, you know, um, do something nice without having to have kind of recognition for it just because I wanted to. Small things like that. And I think the more and more people that get to that point, then it's going to make a huge difference. Um, eventually, it may not be right away. It might not be in our lifetime that we see this, Bobby Joe. But I'm I'm hopeful for humanity that we learn and we and we can do a lot better because this pandemic, if anything, has taught us that we can't do this on our own. Like everyone is going through the same thing, and mm-hmm. it's it's hard. Like it's hard for all of us, and it's really important. Like that we take time and like we practice for the next generation you know, to, to lead by example. So I really, to me, that is the biggest impact. You know, like I look at my grandparents and like they were so innovative, you know, in their generations. And I'm glad that they didn't lead a wasteful life because a lot of it, you know, even my, my parents, their generation, it was a very wasteful life. Mm-hmm. Everything was in excess, everything. Vehicles, houses, partying, you know, drinking and driving, all the stuff, the price of gas, like, sometimes they tell me stories, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, remember when gas dropped at the beginning of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. It was like, I wasn't even born when it was that cheap. I don't even think I was swimming in my dad when <laughs> that was, like, a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I Markets are doing the opposite now of what you would think. And, like, I, I don't even remember the gas being that cheap, like you said. And it, it, it surprises me because, like, we're lucky. Like, we don't... You know, I get it because, you know, people, some people are like, you don't, you shouldn't complain. You're Canada. Like that's resource rich. But then, you know, okay, well, yeah, we're selling it off to other countries and stuff like that. And like, they're coming polluting, like with the mines and whatnot. And we're po- doing our own pollution and every country has its own problems, but it's like, it's important not to pollute because again, it affects other countries as well. You know, if our economy is doing good, it affects the countries, you know, that, that we owe money to. Yeah. So Again, just what goes around comes around. Yeah, we're all interlinked in one way or another. So you got to make the best of it and just um, really think about everyone else and not just ourselves. Do you think it's going to be po- like it, nowadays? Do you think it's possible for everyone to at least own their own home? I feel like 
so many people will actually never be able to own a home. Like I think of like when my parents bought the home and when my grandparents like built a home and it's like, okay, some of my friends, whatever, they're in their mid thirties buying their first home. Like, damn, like, are they ever going to pay that off before they die? You see, the way I look at it, Bobby Joe, is I don't really look at it as if everyone's going to be able to afford to buy a home because let's just say you have someone that's rented their whole life and that's what they wanted to do. They didn't really want to have home ownership because maybe they're wanting to explore and live in different cities and having a home really kind of anchors you down until you sell and it's not impossible, but it just takes more time. But depending on your lifestyle, uh, you can have someone that is perfectly fine uh, renting or or living a certain lifestyle or working for the rest of their lives. And you can have someone sitting right next to you that has a completely different mindset and idea of what happiness and what their life should look like. So I think... Yeah. See, I, I really agree with you. Yeah. I really agree with you. But I think maybe the problem is that like landowners, land shouldn't really be individual people maybe like I remember talking to someone okay online mm -hmm. and this was the first time I ever heard of it and I started researching it I was like this is so interesting don't remember the country and whatnot but it was essentially you put your name on a list for renting apartments and you rent from like your gov the government not a person like it's fixed for everybody and everyone sort of gets a chance in like a fair lottery mm -hmm. and I was like that's kind of nice because then you don't have to worry about your rent going up or your landlord being an asshole because there's no you know what I mean you just go by area and, and by your chance and then you get to stay there for so many years and then it's somebody else's turn so if you want to move somewhere else or you like the area then you can buy a house and it's a reasonable price so you could save up and I was like dang like could you imagine that yeah that would be mean, so nice that would be a way a way to do that um it definitely be beneficial like everyone paying the same thing but it comes to like you have people that want more. You're always gonna have people that are gonna always want more and never be satisfied. And again, it's like you know, like there's so many students. Like you know, I, you work hard. You want to be a doctor or whatever. Let's say then you're trying to go to a school in Toronto or or you know, a, a whatever program that you have to do. And the you know, for a not nice apartment, it's three thousand dollars a month. Like what the heck is that? You know, and then it's like we don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough this. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> very expensive. Uh, a lot of it's very expensive and a lot of dedication and and time to put into that. So it's not going to be everyone. It's not for everyone. Um, it's like I say before. It depends on what you want to do and and you make a plan for it. If those those kind of um, hiccups and and things that you run in across, if you calmly think about a plan and figure it out. You're, you're probably going to end up finding a way. Um, anyone who wants something bad enough is going to make a way to, to make it happen. It's just a matter of how. Well, that was Refined and Real. Many thanks to you, our listeners, for staying with us until the very end. For more about us and what we do, check us out on our Facebook page, Refined Reality, the podcast. And a huge shout out to Architect for building our music. Like what you hear? Check out his info in our description. Until next time, get some R&R. &R. Stay curious. This is Bobby Joe signing off.